So we have been speaking about maturity. And we heard from uh, Dan Matthews that part of maturity is being able to read the word or learn the word or, or love the word or listen to the word or linger in the word, but certainly to obey the word for ourselves. That was the first part. The second part was from me, where I told you about being mature is having the right perspective. It's, it's being able to live for Christ in order to please Him because we all live in light of a day that is coming. The judgment seat of Christ. The day when all of us will give an account for our lives. And so to be mature is to have the right perspective. To live in light of that day. To do all that we can to please Jesus. Then we heard from Brad last week, that to be mature is to have the peace of God, which is not dependent on our circumstances, but it's dependent upon what do we know about God. And today, I'm going to share what could be the last of the ingredients uh, for us for this year. If not, maybe I'll share another one next week if we can meet together. But I'm going to share with you today what I think is the most important ingredient in growing up and being mature. But before I tell you what the ingredient is, I want to just quickly remind you of five benefits of becoming mature. Because we've got this whole series on being mature, this whole focus. We felt the Holy Spirit tell us we need to grow up as a congregation. But why? Firstly... Because we will see rightly, live rightly, and be filled with peace, like we've already heard. But secondly, we will be filled with joy. Say joy. In John chapter 15, Jesus describes abiding in him, having his commands and obeying them. And then he says this. He said, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. What an amazing Lord we have. He's interested in our joy. He wants our lives to be full of joy. And so that's a benefit of becoming mature. The more mature we get, the closer we abide with Him, the more we obey Him, the more joy fills our lives. The third reason is that as we mature, we can bear fruit, like good fruit trees. You know, you don't plant a seed and then go out the next morning and look for apples. Unless you're highly optimistic. You don't get a, a baby apple tree and kind of you watch it and wait for But you need the tree to grow up. And as it matures, it starts to bear fruit. In John chapter 15, again, we're speaking about abiding and obeying commands. Jesus says, I'm going to fill you with joy. And then he says in verse 8, by this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Okay, so joy and fruit. The next advantage of becoming mature is that we actually can get or gain more of God himself. We can get more knowledge of God. 
more experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can experience His presence more. We can hear His voice more clearly. We can get to know the heart of God and we can share with Him more closely and follow Him more closely. And our lives will begin to reflect the character of God more and more as we mature. And so we can become more like him and obtain more of his presence in our lives. Who wants more of God? I want more of God. That's, that's the fourth one. And the final one is this. We will gain more eternal reward. Jesus was very clear. He taught a parable about the stewards. And he gave people one, two, three, four, five talents or gifts or abilities How many do you have? And he said, if we invest those in the kingdom, if we act in a mature manner with what he's given us, if we steward our lives well, then to those who do so, more will be given. He said, if we're faithful with little, we will be made ruler over much. Are those good reasons? More joy, more fruit, more of God, more peace, a life lived rightly, and great rewards in this life and the next. Are those good reasons to be mature? So what is the key point that I want to share with you today? The key ingredient to maturity. Anyone got any idea? Obedience is a good one. It's not the one for today, but it's part of the one for today. Dying to self, that's a good one. Faithfulness, identity, yes, these are wonderful words. Seeking the Lord, you're excellent, but not the one for today. Who's going to get it? Submission, wow, that's a good one for wrestling. Intimacy, joy, humility, accountability, patience with me, a teacher of the law came to Jesus and said, Master, which is the greatest? Love. Love. Love for God and for others. As we mature, God calls us to be a people that love one another. A people who are marked by love. Who are known by our love. Live lives that are defined by love. Jesus said in John chapter 13 verse 34... A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That's an amazing commandment he gives us. He doesn't just say love each other. He says love each other in the same way that I've loved you. In another part, he says, no greater love has a man than this, than he lay down his life 
for his friends. And that's the kind of love that Jesus is calling us to. He also says that people will know that you are my disciples. People will know that you are my followers by your love. Not by your sticker on the back of your car. Or by your Lion of Judah t-shirt. I met with some people this week, business people. Somebody thought I might be able to give them some input in their business. And I listened to them for about an hour, talking backwards and forwards and describing to me what was happening and what they were doing. And what I realized was the one thing they needed to do is to increase their sales. And to do that, they needed to increase their marketing. And this verse is the Christian's marketing strategy. By this will all men know, by your love. Okay. Love is the goal. Love is the end of maturity. It's the reason for joy, for fruitfulness, for more of God. It is love. Now you say, what? Love is the reason for joy. Love is the... Where do you get that from? Oh, well, let me show you. In John chapter 15, right after where Jesus says... Could you put up verse 11 to 13? Right after where Jesus says, I've spoken these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. He then says, this is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one that he laid on his life for his friends. So he says, I'm telling you all of this so that you can have joy. Now love. You're like, joy or love? They're connected. Let's look at fruit. John chapter 15 from verse 16 to 17. Here Jesus says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide in the fridge. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And then what does he say? He says, these things I command you so that you will love one another. You're like, oh, I thought that the joy was just for me. You see, here's the key. Jesus doesn't give you joy so that you can have a lacquer joy session. He doesn't give you fruit so that you can eat it all. He gives you joy and fruit so that you can love each other. You see, but Lucas, you said that love is the end of having more of God. I think it is. Let's look in John chapter 14, one chapter earlier, so it's all related. Let's read verse 15 to 16. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Darren, I said that obedience is linked, didn't I? If you love me, Jesus says, you will obey my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. If you love, 
you will have more of the Holy Spirit. Can you see that? Let's read verse 21, please. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Okay, so obedience shows love. And then it says, and he who loves me, there's love, will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself. That means I will show myself to him. How many of you want more of God? Then we need to learn to love him more. And we need to learn to obey him more. And as we love him and obey him, he will manifest himself. He will show himself more to us. Let's look finally at verse 23. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Can you see obedience again, Darren? Did you know how spot on you were this morning? Now you know. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. If we love God, he will fill us with joy and fruit and himself. So love is important. What is the and and the same applies to peace. Three verses down the, 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 um, verse 27. Just let's look at that quickly. Peace I leave with you. He's talking about those whom love him. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let them not be afraid. And so it's all tied together. Our joy, our fruitfulness, our having experience of God, the peace of God in our lives. It's all tied into one thing. And that is loving him and loving each other. You want to know the best definition of a mature man or woman? It's a man or woman who loves God and loves his brothers and sisters. This is the key point. Love for God and love for others are the key to our obedience, our joy, our peace, our fruitfulness, and our walk with God. The whole point of preaching the word of God. The whole point of us learning or reading or studying or, or, or listening to or lingering in or obeying the word of God. The whole point is love. Love is the goal. Love is the result. It's the outworking of obedience. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5 says... The goal of this command is love. The New Living Translation says, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love. The English Standard Version says, The aim of our charge is love. I've already mentioned, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Matthew chapter 22. Let's read it together from verse 36 to 40. A, uh, was, was, it a, was it a teacher of the law? Who, who, who was it who asked Jesus this question? Somebody. What, what, was it Nicodemus? I don't think it was. It was a lawyer. Thank you. It was a lawyer. 
It was Nadine Badenhorst. <laughs> Think about it, teacher. Okay, no, that's too much. Okay. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest, the great and first commandment. Let's keep going. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. It's like love for God and for others is the foundation upon which the entire Bible is built. In another translation, it says, all the law and the prophets depend upon these two commands. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. All of our obedience is based on love. If you could have one thing, what should it be? Love. Love. Why? that song crazy little thing called is it it's this crazy little thing called love what does love make you do I remember when I fell in love. I, I was staying somewhere in the southern suburbs of Cape Town. And my wife was studying at, well, my wife-to-be at that stage was, was st- studying at Tigerberg campus uh, near Belleville. Tigerberg, yeah. And I was at UCT, and I used to drive through every night. Now, you understand what a student's budget is and fuel. And I would drive through every night, regardless of whether I had made an appointment. And I remember I would drive on to Tigerberg campus, and the security, security guard got to know me very well. It's like, how's it, bro? How's it? They let me in. And I would drive through, and, and I would go, and I would drive, and, and my heart started to beat, you know. And, and as I drove around, because I knew which residence Annie was staying in, and I knew which one was her window. And I would drive past the tennis courts, and, and come back, and, and then as I was approaching the residence, I'm like, I hope her light's on. And I, would, and I would go, and I would drive, and I would look to see if I could just catch a glimpse is she at her desk working? Or? I don't know what they're thinking. (laughs) 
I remember Annie went on a, on a Christian camp to Claymont. How long was it for? Almost a month. It was the outreach. It was a, a month, was it beach mission or something like that, in Claymont. And I thought, okay, Claymont it is. And I would drive after teaching at Bible school on UCD campus, finish at about 10 o'clock at night, get in my car to Claymont. Drive in into the campsite there. Anybody see Annie? Annie would come out, woken up. I'd be, hi, sweetie. <laughs> Just wanted to say hi, give you a hug. Hope you have a nice sleep. Bye. Get in my car and drive back home for love. I remember my parents came all the way from Harare in Zimbabwe to have a holiday. And they decided, I mean, we, yeah, we didn't have a lot of money when I grew up. And they were going to take me to, to Durban on holiday. And I remember that two weeks being the worst two weeks of my life. We were in a guest house near the beach. The waves were awesome. It was sunny. The weather was fantastic. But there was no Annie. I was moping around. Eventually, we came back to Cape Town early. Because I just, because love. Love made me go mad. It still makes me mad. I remember about a year ago when I, you remember what happened with me and how I, I met the Holy Spirit in this amazing, special way. And I remember the one thing that changed for me completely was feeling and experiencing the love of God. I remember Annie was telling me, I've told you the story. She, she, she came to tell me about this book that she was reading, which was about Joshua and, no, it was about um, Rahab. She was reading this book, a novel about Rahab and how Rahab, after the fall of the walls of Jericho, got married to this guy in, in the tribe of Judah called Salmon or Salmon or whatever his name was, you know? And, 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 and their marriage was having issues and, and because, you know, she had, of her previous uh, occupation. There, there were challenges in their, in their marriage. And so, and so um, Salmon goes to Joshua and he starts telling him, Joshua, I'm having trouble with my wife. And Joshua says to him, listen, buddy, you need to learn to love your wife. You know, and, and he's telling me this. And I'm like, if you know me, bro, I don't like novels, never mind romantic ones, never mind historic romantic fictional ones. And I start to cry. I'm weeping. And he's like, have you hurt your back? I'm like, no, no, I don't know what's happening. And I'm weeping, I'm crying, and I'm saying, I love Joshua. I love Joshua. And then I knew something was wrong. I don't even know Joshua. But I was feeling this intense love for Joshua. And then I realized, it's not me. It's the same Spirit of God who's in me. That was in him. And God says that it is his love that is shed abroad in our hearts 
which is the basis of our love for Him and our love for each other. This love that we are called to is not something we can stir up in ourselves or motivate in ourselves or generate in ourselves. It's a gift of God. The Bible tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love. If we want more love, we need more of God. Okay. So, now we're going to move into part two of the preach. And in the next two parts, so part two and part three, you're going to help me to preach. In this part, we're going to look at some scriptures together. We're going to dig into them. When I said two hours, I wasn't joking. I might have been joking. It'll be a little bit less. And in the next part, you're going to jump up and you're going to share examples of what we've been preaching about. And I don't know who of you is going to share, but you're going to. And then there's going to be a fourth part. And then we're going to finish. So this is part two. Could we put up these scriptures, please? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's start in verse 31. Okay, let's read this together. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Hey, Dan, how's it, Brew? Are you going to the bathroom? Before you go, before you go, Dan, you can't take the scripture away like that. He needs to go. Bring it back quickly. There we go. Dan, what can we learn from this scripture? Just knape. <laughs> I will show you a still more excellent way. I'm giving you a tip. What do we learn from that? There's a better way. Well done, bro. You can go. You got it right. Okay, watch out. I'm going to call on you next. (laughs) There's a more excellent way. There's a better way to live. I'm telling you, if people get this, the entire self-help portion of every library in the world and bookshop can be closed down and used to make fire. There's a more excellent way. Let's go on. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's look at verse 1 to 3. Okay. Pay attention. That was beautiful. Pay attention because I'm going to ask you, Gideon. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain. What 
do we learn from this? Do you see what I have to work with? <laughs> okay, I think I need to start again. We can do everything that Joe spoke about. We can give up everything in our fridge, in our pantry, in our, we can sell our house, we can give away our cars, we can do everything, we can give our body to be burned, we can do everything. If we have no love, we gain nothing by it. Love is everything. Chapter, verse 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest is love. Okay, it's the greatest. Let's move to the next scripture. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 to 8. Let's read it together. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Where do we get love from? Conroy. Where do we get love from? From God. And specifically, from the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It says that God's love is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this preach. If you have not experienced the love of God and the presence of God and the Holy Spirit of God to be filled with the Holy Spirit... Because trust me, you're going to need him in December and January and forever, obviously, but specifically. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For no one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the foundation of our love, and it's the love of God. It's the love of God that is the beginning and the source of any love that we can have in our lives. And how did God show us his love? While we were still sinners, he sent his son to die on the cross for us. He said, hardly anyone will die for a righteous man, but God for sinners died. Wow. Oh, the depths and the glory of the love of God. Let's go to the next. So, so what did we learn from that? What is the source of our love? The Holy Spirit. The love of God that is shed in, board, in our hearts from the Holy Spirit. Well done, Brett. Well done. The next one is this, Galatians chapter 5. Uh, we don't need to go there. It says, 
The fruit of the Spirit is love. We, we dealt with that one. Let's move on. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 12. And I'm speeding up a little bit now, so listen faster. <laughs> Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from... And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. How do you know you've been born of God? You love. How do you know that you know God? You have love for him and love for one another. This is important. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Wow. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In other words, in this way, God has showed us his love by sending his son to die for us. Okay, great. Let's move. There's a bit more. There we go. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the payment or the satisfaction for our sins. In other words, love doesn't start with us. We didn't love him first. He loved us first. All of our love is a response. It's, it's because he's loved us that we can love. Okay? He's the source. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let me ask you a question. Does God love you? Haley, could you giggle, please? Thank you. <laughs> I said that because the response wasn't convincing. Does God love you? Yes. Has he showed you his love? Yes. Then, then, we also ought to love. If he has loved us, our appropriate response is love. Okay? No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. In other words, in English, where's Austin? Are you listening? Can you summarize what we just heard on this one? No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Give that to me in English. Yo, that's a good translation. It's a good start. One more time. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. It is beautiful, but what does it say? <laughs> yes. You cannot know love unless you've experienced the love of God. Yes, well done, Stephen. Yes. In our, you say unity, but in our love for each other, we will see God. 
You know what I'm trying to do today? I'm trying to sell you something that is so valuable, it's God himself. If we want to experience more of God, we need to love each other more. And then God will abide with us. And his love will be perfected in us. If we want more love, we need to love. We need to give more love. Does that make sense? Great. We're learning. Next scripture. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 to 21. Do you know what? I'm going to only go to the end of that one. All the way to the end. Uh, okay, one, uh, go to v- v- 19, please. There we go. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And verse 21, and this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is, this is foundational, guys. If we don't love each other, we don't love God. If we don't love each other, we cannot love God. Wow. One John chapter five verse two to three, and we're nearly finished with part two. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. JP, what is what did that just say? By this we know that we love the children of God because the previous scripture said. Unless we love the children of God, we don't love Him. And now this one says, by this we know that we love the children of God, if we do what? When we love God and obey His commandments. Who loves God? Hopefully everybody. Who obeys Him? say we try yeah our obedience is love for him you know my wife uh, sorry i'm picking on you it's just because it was our anniversary last week and uh, and 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 it's the only thing i can think of these days um my wife has a particular love language have you heard about the five love languages so mine are words of affirmation. I always say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. My kids are like, whoa, dad, you know? And, and I have physical touch or, or, or physical affection as a love language. That's why I'm always hugging and, you know, and the guys that they've got, I go and give them a massage, you know. Initially they thought, this is weird. Now they know. It's just, Lucas loves us. But my wife has different love language to me. Annie's love language is quality time and acts of service. 
can you believe the Lord would do that to me? <laughs> Patrick, I'm thinking about that video you sent me, but I'm not going to go there. <clears throat> if I want to show Annie that I love her, then I need to clean up the dishes. Put the kids to sleep. Tidy up. What is God's love language? Don't say nothing. Obedience. If we want to show him that we love him, what do we do? Obey him. And love his children. Love each other. John chapter 21 verse 15 to 17. Peter, Simon Peter, has just denied Jesus. He's feeling terrible. And Jesus says, go meet me on the beach. Go meet me there. And, 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 and Jesus makes him breakfast. And, and there's lack of fish fry. And then he calls him aside. And he says, when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than these what? Well, I don't know. More than these boats, these fish, these nets, these other disciples, these things, the things. It doesn't matter. Do you love me more than anything, Peter? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Love for Jesus means caring for and looking after our brothers and sisters. If Jesus was here and he asked you, Anton, do you love me? He doesn't want to hear, yes, Lord, I love you. He wants to hear, Lord, I'm looking after Bob, Joe. Sarah, Isaac, these are the people that I'm looking after, that I'm pouring my life into, that I'm being generous towards, that I'm being hospitable towards. Just take one second. Think about, on a one to ten, how much are you loving and tending and caring for his people around you? I'm not talking about the elders and the deacons and the community. I'm talking about all of us. How are we loving Jesus? On a one to ten.
going to uh, read one more scripture. And then we, we're going to pause and we're going to go into part three, which is going to be awesome. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. <clears throat> now that we've heard about loving one another and loving those who are close to us and, and laying down our lives for our friends, now Jesus takes the bar and he moves it up. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, don't withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, don't demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Now this one. This is the tough one. Those people who hurt you over and over again, Jesus says, love them. Those people who have abused you, love them. Those people who have taken advantage of you, love them. Those people who have struck you, Turn the other cheek so that they can hit you again. Those people who've asked you for things and you've given, give again. Now, caveat. I'm not saying you should take physical, emotional abuse and keep going back. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying in your heart, you forgive and you love. There's wisdom. I'm not saying if somebody comes and, 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 and manipulates you and, 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 and um, steals from you financially, give them your credit card. I, I'm not saying that. That's not what Jesus is saying. And so there's a question that arises from this. Because surely, I mean, that was for the people that Jesus was speaking. This can't be for us. This loving our enemies thing. The people that have hurt us, that have disappointed us, that have let us down. Those people. And the answer is, here's the question. The question is, before I give you the answer, the question is, how do you do this practically? I mean, how do I love like that? 
And the answer is every single situation is going to be different. And it's going to require wisdom. And the only way that we're going to be able to do this well as a people is to do it in community, walking with each other, asking, being transparent, walking in the light. You know, Cliff, I, 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 I lent this guy my car, and he, he, he banged it up against the thing, you know, against the post. You know, and he brought it back, and he didn't say anything, and he just gave me the keys, and he said, thanks. And, and, and now I've discovered it's damaged. What do I do? How do I love him, Cliff? Well, the way you love him is you go to him and you say, Hey, Brew, did you notice the side of my car? And give him an opportunity. That's the first step. And there's a whole process that follows. But there's a practical way of loving. Because what you don't, the way not to love him, is to, I'm never going to give that guy another thing. And you tell everyone, yes, that guy is a bad driver. That's not love. Are you getting me? Every situation is so different. But Jesus is love. He says, In the book of Acts chapter 2, he describes the community. And he says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to breaking bread in each other's houses. They were devoted. They were generous. Everyone who had something sold it and gave so that no one was in need. And I read that. I read that sitting in the Isle of Man thinking, Oh my goodness, this is an impossible scenario for me. Because it was all about me and my family and my future and my kids and my, and my, my, my. And I realized that is not being a Christian. It's about sharing what we have. And it's not just financial. It's about sharing who you are, who Christ has made you to be with others. Everything that you are is so encouraging to me. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay, part three is going to be about ten minutes. Who has experienced this kind of love that I'm talking about and wants to share? That was so beautiful. It was like... That could be a dance move, yeah? <laughs> Go for it, Faith. So a couple of years ago, I kind of hit rock bottom, and I had nowhere to go. My family's not here. I was kind of all alone. And I had a friend who let me move in with her, and I slept on the floor in a bedroom on a mattress for about three months. And that was what I needed, and that to me was just love. Part four. And then we finished. Matthew 19, verse 16. And behold, a man came to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. 
If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I've kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, When the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you will have followed me. You who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. And the reason I share that with you as part four is because we've heard these amazing testimonies. We've seen the teaching of our Lord. He says, love one another, then you will have God. You will have joy. You will have, you will have, you will have. And, and the challenge that rises up in our hearts is, but God, it's too costly. I don't think I can do it. Like the young man who had many possessions, he he, he wanted to love God. He came to church, he wanted to do it, he wanted to obey. What must I do to have eternal life? And it's just sell everything and give it to the poor and follow me. And it's just too costly. You know, I had this great privilege this week um, with my anniversary to go to a beautiful place in Franchhoek with my wife. And we were so amazed at this place. It's, it's, it's this place, it's, it's called a particular type of estate, and, you know, it's, it's incredible. And we went there for, for, for dinner. And we were asking the question because there's this place house, and this place estate, and this place vineyards, and this place, you know, mansion and this place and we asked you know who whose is this i mean this and everywhere you go in franchuk there's another one with the same banner the same name you're like he, he owns that too he owns that too i mean richard branson has only got one little farm there this guy has got like thousands of hectares of vineyards and houses and hotels and spas and i'm like who is this person And we find out it's a particular Indian man who's a billionaire 
in dollars. And he came to South Africa in 2010 and he fell in love and he, he bought it up. And, and we kind of Google him and, and we see, oh, this particular brand and thing. He's got places like this all over the world, never mind just in Franchuk. And we're chatting about it. We're discussing like, yo, what must it be like to have so much for so little time? For so little time. It's a man called Jim Elliott who went to preach to a tribe somewhere tribe of cannibals I think and they killed him and he died a young man for the gospel and he said he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose Mark chapter 8 verse 34 the last scripture And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, Jesus said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And this is the end. We're coming towards December. We're coming towards a potential season of lockdowns, of not being able to meet up with one another. And this is the word of God to every one of us for this next season. Open your heart to your brothers and sisters. Open your home. Open your budget. Open your life. Open your activities. Open your rest times. Pull people in and love them. Do you know, if we have another lockdown now, there will be many in our congregation who won't be able to make ends meet. But there are some who the Lord has provided for, who have a secure income and work and Can I ask you? Be generous. Don't consider only your own interests, but the interests of others. And by this, not just financial, by this will all people know that we are His disciples, that we love one another. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your love for us. Yeah, that we did not deserve, Lord. Lord, would you pour out your spirit? in a new way would you pour out your love into our hearts 
so that we cannot but love each other. Lord, I pray that this season, this Christmas season, December, January, Lord, would be characterized by a love shown and given by every person like never before. I pray for open hearts, open lives, open fridges, that your glory, Lord, would be evident among us. In Jesus' name.